1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: How's phone is that? That's the second time it's gone. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home.
1: Those guys That's yeah, <laughs> they have asked for that, really. France are going to go into the World Cup. Get over it. This fellow our... Ronaldo oh, is a cop.
2: Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card.
1: Nah, that's actually bollocks. I have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't draw
0: teacups. It's not my style. I think I've got throw punches. What you doing down here, you shorny man? <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special Patrick Clivert edition of the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. Owen Murphy and Ken all here. Hi guys. Hi, everyone. are you? oh, I'm great. I think we should start by explaining the setup to this interview with one of the biggest names in European football in the last 20 years. If you heard us promoting it in the last couple of weeks, you'll know it was due to take place in Dublin. In an, at that time, unidentified, uh, certainly unrevealed city centre location. In front of 20 hardcore fans of both this podca- podcast and of Patrick Clivert. That wasn't the, the, the podcast. The that's probably. what I should have gone for. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But that you often stumble upon the best ideas completely by accident, <laughs> uh, or one does. But anyway, that wasn't entirely the truth. Those 20 super uh, superfans were, in fact, the unwitting marks in an elaborate ruse devised by Pepsi Max and Doritos, acted out superbly, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, by you, Owen. <laughs> by us. Ken, can you describe what happened?
3: Well, I mean, okay, first of all, the pledge.
1: Mm.
3: Come to. Uh, and, uh, you know, secret location to see this in view the Champions League legend Patrick Claver. They all turn up and wins Little. very early on, nine o'clock in the yeah, morning. Early on, uh, faces expectant. <clears throat> um, the turn, uh, Alan McDevitt uh, leads a troop of actors. <laughs> <laughs> McDevitt is there, uh, and and he's saying, Oh, you know, welcome. Uh, and we're talking some, you know, talking the usual stuff about this and that, and Patrick Clivey. And then uh, the turn Owen, is that suddenly producer Mark Horgan appears, looking rather concerned,
1: distressed. And yeah, I, I would have said, "Oh,
3: I'm sorry. Do you mind if I have a word?" Oh, not at all, Mark. What? This you...
1: is well, this is unprecedented. But go on. Uh, so, Clivey, I can't Miss
3: uh, well, uh, so everyone is like, hmm, what do you, what's going on here? Uh, and then uh, and, and we say, well, look, it, it turns out that we're just having a bit of trouble getting in touch with him here. He should be here. We're just trying to get a hold of him. No, No problem. Talk among yourselves. Uh, that goes on for a while. Uh, the mood in the room starts to, does it start to turn ugly?
0: Well, no, everyone was quite polite, apparently. Just mildly bemused with what was going on, but n- not getting particularly angry.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, no one was no one was angry. Uh no, they were they were waiting, everyone everyone trusted trusted the setup. Uh, but then a phone call uh, to Mark Organ's phone.
1: He flounces out of the room dramatically.
3: Hello. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> the door closes behind. You can hear a raised voice. What do you mean he's here? star of the show, Mark Organ, by the way. He was Oh the, no, 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 no. He was the Robert no, Robert no, Redford. No, no, he was just saying was, oh, no, no, there was only one star of the show owned. Uh, Mark Horgan yeah, yeah, back into the room. Owen, uh, actually, s- 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 we're Owen McDevitt.
1: <laughs> you know the, the scene that, that came to mind when I was watching this. Well. Owen has to announce basically to the people that Clivert has missed his flight, yeah. and won't this uh, that he won't, be, he, he he's just not going to be here. Yeah. Uh, and the self-flagellation that that is all over McDevitt's face reminded me actually of that scene The Passion at, of the Christ? No the end the scene at the end of uh, Raging Bull where uh, Jake yeah, is in is in the no no in oh. the in the prison cell and uh, he just starts punching the wall you know uh, like <laughs> all of his rage and how he's lived his life up to that point is taken out <laughs> in this wall that's basically how Owen describe how Owen uh, brought the news
3: Guys I just I just don't know how to say this it's uh, Nothing like this has ever happened to us before. <laughs> this is this is this is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened. And and I so I sorry you, if you're watching this, you might worry that something really bad had happened. <laughs> something really so we're about to get some really bad news here about Patrick Cliveford. Owen says, "Look, you know, Clark, he's missed his flight. He's not coming. You know, he's I just can't. I don't know how to say this. I mean, you've all got the day of work. You you've all come here. I just I just can't believe it. You know, we're kind of sitting there." You know, thinking this is an unbelievable performance. Mm, mm, and mm. uh and he said the best that we can do at this stage is to get him up on a on a video link
0: mm.
3: and do the interview that way.
0: Not much consolation to you guys, I know, but
3: Oh yeah, I'd even forgot. He he embellished it with all kinds of He was really living. He he yeah. didn't he didn't have to tap in tap into any inner reservoir of, of shame and guilt. He at was really moment,
1: experiencing those tr- feelings. Yeah, he truly believed that Patrick Clivert had left us down know if, in yeah. a major, a deep and meaningful way. I don't
0: know if the speech had to go on for 20 minutes, but I just felt you just needed to really ramp it yeah. up a bit. But that wasn't all.
3: But then, Owen, the prestige. The video link blinks flickers into life. It's Patrick Clivert. You can just about see through this fuzzy, terrible uh, Skype, sort of uh, computerised, you know, whatever. Uh, Owen McDevitt says, Hello, Patrick. And Clever says, "Hello, hello, can you hear me? I don't think they can hear me." And Owen is saying, "Everyone is everyone's staring at it." And then suddenly, the Skype thing goes to a sort of crystal HD, ultra HD image of Patrick Clever saying, "Hello, Dublin. I'm sorry I can't be with you, but the truth is, I was never going to be with you." And I swear, I spoke later to some of the some of the guys in the audience, and they were thinking. What a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe he would say that. You know, still at that point. So that just goes to underline the the, the the brilliance of Alan McDevitt's performance. Clarence says, but instead of me coming to see you, why don't you come to see me and go and see, in London, and go and see the, the match, Arsenal-Barcelona, at the Arsenal Stadium?
0: Well, what can I say? Boy, were there some happy people.
1: Well, I mean, yes, there were. Aren't there were, and... Uh, the 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 whole idea of the... I mean, I, I expected there to be some sort of logistical problems. And what actually happened was mad celebrations followed by everyone getting on their phone to text or call, whoever they needed to text or call, really? to ensure that any responsibilities they may have, may have had for that day postponed or perhaps just thrown in the bin altogether. Who knows? But uh, everyone got their own.
0: Yeah, and I, I, you, you know sometimes people win a prize... Uh, this happens on ra- in radio competitions quite frequently, I think. Is it? Well done, you've won a car or something pretty oh, amazing. And they go, uh, uh, All right, that's just <laughs> a have a car. So, yeah. but thanks, you know. <laughs> that's oh, sure, great. I was sure I
1: supposed I could sell that
0: one, or I could sell the new one. Whereas this was genuinely like some of these guys looked like they had, they were at a really good party mm-hmm. and it was going late and they just found something had just happened to make them find out it was going to go <laughs> a few hours later. <laughs> there were some very happy, very smiley faces around the place and uh, one. Um, member of the party in particular, Murphy, we have to mention, so blown away was this man that not even the fear of flying could stop him, Rory McLancy.
1: Mm. Ten years he had uh, not flown. He had decided, it's just not for me. Uh, whatever it takes, I can go on my holidays, I'm just not going getting on a plane. I don't like it. That's mm. it. And then he's presented with this amazing prize and he has a decision to make. So he hops on the bus. I really don't think Rory got on the bus to the airport with the expectation that, that he was gonna actually going to go, I think he got on the bus and just said, "Right, I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to make a decision." I saw him queuing for his uh, for his uh, boarding pass. Still not entirely sure. I don't think. I mean, he ha- he hung around at the after the board after he'd gotten his boarding pass for quite a while without seeming to make a decision one way or the other, and then I think he just got swept up in a wave of emotion. Yeah. Uh, and then I t- I do I, I I was talking. To, I, it wasn't me that said it. Someone said it to him after the the flight over saying oh well you know I hope Yeah, you're here now and that's the good thing he's like no I'm just thinking about the flight back (laughs) now but uh, I I spoke to him on the on the ground in Dublin on the tarmac yeah at half one or whatever it was on uh, Tuesday night Wednesday morning and he was pretty happy with how the day had gone
0: I'm also pretty happy that there was a 100% success rate in people calling who they needed to call to get out of whatever responsibilities they had. We picked the right people. Yeah. No responsibilities that they can't get out of for (laughs) a long, long day of travelling. So we hopped on a flight to London to see Leo Messi, stick two balls in the Arsenal net. But first, we stopped by a hotel along the way to meet up with a full-on European football legend. (laughs) Oh, I think we've kept you waiting long enough at this stage, folks. Oh, just a, a number of hours at this stage. So, without further ado, can you please welcome the youngest player ever to score in a Champions League final, La Liga winner with Barcelona. He crushed our dreams, of course, back in uh, Euro 96 and 1995. Top scorer at Euro 2000, and most recently helped coach Holland to the semi finals of the 2014 World Cup. Ladies and gentlemen, at long last, it's Patrick Kluivert. You're very welcome, Patrick, great to see you. Thank you. I've listened just a few of the achievements in your career. The first time, after the, the goal in '95, the first time you really came into our consciousness was at Anfield qualifying for Euro 96. You were still a very young player at that stage, I think maybe just gone 19 by the time that game came around. What are your memories of destroying Ireland that night?
2: Well, you know, uh, yo- as a young player you get uh, convocated, convocated, is that uh, the right word? You know, as a young player, you 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 watch all the players that you played in the, in in that team, and all of a sudden you you're in the starting starting lineup, and for me it was um it was great to uh, to perform like that. Uh, never thought that uh, it would uh, would be uh, ended like this, but um, it gives a special feeling if you if you're a young player, and and you can uh, perform at and in that level, and scoring two goals um, in a very young uh, Dutch uh, national team. Um bringing the, um, the Dutch national team in the, in the Euros, it's, it, it gives a special feeling. And especially if you're a young player, uh, it gives uh, extra motivation to, to do well.
3: Can you still see the goals in your head? Do you remember all yes. the goals you scored? Yes.
2: yes, the first one was, uh, it was uh, an attack from the left side. And the ball came back from, uh, I think it was Edgar Davids. And he, he threw it back and I scored it with my left foot. And the second one, it was a chip. And I took it and I and I chipped it over the over the uh, the goalkeeper. This is too painful. She, she. <laughs> yeah, but after that, uh, you now it was it was uh, good for us that we won, but I can remember also a game that we lost. Oh. And I think all the guys know this as well. This uh, the the goal of the goal of Jason McIntyre. Of course. That was a difficult that, that was a difficult uh, difficult moment for us. So we're equal.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 2001 was uh, what I was seeing actually as the a failure on the part of Louis Van Gaal, who's under pressure again at the moment. Did uh, I remember back then people were saying, "Oh, this guy, this guy's finished." You know, he had a success with Ajax, and he's he's gone now. But he obviously revitalised himself back then. Uh, a player you would have first encountered him at, at Ajax as a very young player. What was he like in 94, 95? Well, 94,
2: 95, we had a a very uh, balanced team, I think, with young players and older players, and. Um, I think Van Gaal is a very, very good trainer, uh, especially with um, with young players. If you have uh, experienced players, what um, he also uh, saw when he was uh, trainer at Barcelona with experienced older players, he had a bit, uh, a bit difficulties with uh, Luis Figo and Rivaldo. But uh, yeah, as a young player, you coming from the from the youth, uh, there was a time that um, PSV signed Ronaldo. And I was the younger player uh, from the A to to join the the first team of Ajax. So it was a for me it was a little bit of pressure because uh, it was uh, for Ronaldo or to sign for Ajax or for PSV. So he signed for PSV, and then Van Gaal shouted, "Yes, PSV has got Ronaldo, but we got Clive, So I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> 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 what a pressure on on that moment, you know?" So. It was, um, it was a pleasure that, uh, that things happened uh, the way they happened, and uh, I was very happy about it.
3: When you made your breakthrough at Ajax, you mentioned, you know, Van Hal bringing you through. It was an insane season. It was an, it was the achievements of Ajax 94, 95 are, are completely insane. And so many players were, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, and they were, you know, schooling, AC Milan, and, you know, got to, you know, won everything. How does a team with, you know, 19 and 20-year-old players all over it develop yeah. that winning mentality?
2: Yeah, for me it was it was uh, I think a more easy thing because in the youth you play the same system as the first team. So when I when I joined the, the eighteen 18, ninety years old uh, uh, players and I came to the first team, it was for me easy to, to join in. But sp- uh, players like Kanu, Finley, George, uh, all younger players from from different countries, they have to adapt, and they did a great job. And I think that's uh, that's part of Louis Van Gaal's uh, vision. That he had, and and to educate young players to to play in the system that he wanted. Well, I still don't really
3: get it. I mean, in terms of say you played against a club like Milan, and at that time they were they were like Barcelona are now. I mean, they yeah. were like the, they were the classic team in Europe, and they had won the European Cup what three times in, the, in yeah. the previous few years. You had no chance. I mean, it was how did how did you not get intimidated by the fact that you're playing against this team, these names? It's it's
2: like uh, I don't even know how you get your head around it. Well, we were intimidated. <laughs> yeah, ninety-four. We, uh, we played three times uh, in in the group stage against uh, against AC Milan, and we won all the, all the encounters. Um, we know uh, exactly how they played, but still, you play against uh, Baresi, Maldini, uh, Costa, Curta, great names in football, and and we were absolutely intimidated. The first uh, the first match we played in um, in Amsterdam, we won. I think three one. And we were like, "Wow, this is amazing!" And and after the game, we were like little boys uh, coming to them uh, to the to the dressing room. With, uh, Can we swap shirts? You know, uh, we were like, uh, "This is amazing for us!" And yeah, then you play away in uh, not in Milan. It was in, in Trieste um, because uh, some sort of riots uh, were going on in Milan. And then you won again, and and all of a sudden we thought, we, we thought, "Okay, now it's finished. We won uh, at home, away." now we don't play them anymore. And all of a sudden we play them in the final. And yeah, that was really uh, amazing in Vienna.
3: It's still one of the most amazing things any team has done, you know, in, in the in the Champions League, in, in European football in the last 25, 30 years. And yet the team broke up almost immediately. Everybody, like, left. I that mean, was wh- the first one. <laughs> How did it, well, what, what were you thinking at the time? Were, were people thinking, I mean, we know the Bosman ruling was around that time. And yeah, people were looking for money, but like... Do do people not also think this is a shame to leave this team here?
2: Yeah, um, it's true because um, normally, if you win the Champions League, uh, you you stay with each other. I stayed uh, the the next year. I stayed. uh, I stayed actually one year more. Ninety six. I I went away. Yeah, sure. If you win something big with with a club, you you're trying to get the same results in a different uh, country in a different club. And, uh, of course, everybody saw the talent uh, that we had and, 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 and all, all the other clubs tried to, uh, to get the players uh, from that team. I think that's normal uh, because uh, if you look at uh, the, the results that we had uh, in those previous years, it's um, it's not it's not strange that players uh, want to get abroad to a bigger club to, uh, to perform as they did in Ajax. Uh,
3: but what's there a sense also in which the players at Ajax, you had this great collective system on the field you could see like it's yeah. the team is like one you know entity but that you didn't really it seems as sometimes that the team didn't get on that well in other ways like the players in the team were, were you friends with each other were you friendly
2: yeah, in Ajax we, we were friends, but uh, you're you're on about the, the Dutch national team in uh, Euro '96. 96, 96. Well, it was you a wanted, lot of Ajax players uh, as wanted well. You want to go that way, yeah? Well, it,
3: well, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a famous it's a famous incident. You know, players yeah, are falling in. Yeah,
2: it's true. But uh, that's what that was not really things in the field, but it's more off the field because there were sponsorships and all the older players uh, got more paid and than the younger players. So it was a little distraction, but.
0: In a game in in IX we were we were friends. Just on that Euro '96 issues that was about age rather than race because that was always the story at the time that the squad was divided among racial lines.
2: Well, uh, a little bit also, but uh, I was not uh, somebody uh, looking at at the race of, of somebody. You know, uh, for me everybody was was the same. Uh, you know, in a team you you perform as a team and. Uh, if you if you look at race, I don't think it's it's a good thing. And until now, you see a lot of uh, racism in in football, and I, I think it's
0: ridiculous. You moved on, Patrick, to Milan and then to Barcelona with Louis Van Gaal again. That Barcelona dressing room, Louis Van Hal was manager. Pep Guardiola was playing at that point. Yeah. Uh, you Jose Mourinho. What 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 role exactly did? That's a lot of big characters, as they call them, in the dressing room. Uh, what was the environment like? What was Jose Mourinho's role at that stage? Assistant coach. He was assistant coach, and Van um, wasn't um,
2: uh, speaking very good uh, Spanish, so uh, he was also the translator in, in, in a lot of, uh, lot of moments. But
3: did the Louis yeah. Van Gaal, as translated by Jose Mourinho, sound like the Louis Van Gaal you remembered from Ajax? <laughs> was there
2: a well, a little bit, a little bit. But <laughs> I saw I saw Louis Van Gaal also had a few. Um, a few, I uh, say, interviews in, in England and it didn't sound also very, uh, very good. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did Jose Mourinho always give the impression that he thought he should have a more important job than assistant manager?
2: No, at that time not. He was happy to be in the squad, uh, happy to be uh, assistant coach of, uh, of Louis. And at that time we had also Figo and, and, and Vitor Bahia. So, he, you know, the, the Portuguese uh, side of... of um, of of Mourinho, he, he could involve very good, but yeah, as I said before, um, Louis van Gaal had a little bit difficulties with with uh, with the bigger players, and Figo was one of them. So, and
3: for instance, um, van Gaal, Ravallo have an argument. <laughs> uh, van Hal leaves the room. What do all the other players say to Ravallo at that time?
2: <laughs> you did a good job, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, some so those things are are you know are. Um, Uh, not not for everybody to know but um,
0: (laughs) there was there were some some uh, big arguments you have gone on to coach with Louis van Gaal at AZ Alkmaar and and Holland pretty much as soon as you finish your career were you thinking about coaching you seem to do your licenses very quickly and get into coaching very quickly uh, possibly even while you were still a registered player um
2: I finished with uh, Lille was my last club, and it was my last year also in the KvB to do the short version of the of the big license that you can uh, you can have. Um, as a football player, I didn't know that uh, I really love to, to coach uh, uh, only um, uh, during my last my last years of, uh, of playing that I thought because um, actually my last year it was in Holland with PSV. We had some young players coming on and uh, I was then already an experienced player and I tried to uh, to help them in, in some sort of situations and, and it helped and, and I, I got the feedback from the players that, you know, the things that I said to them, they uh, they worked with it and it helped and yeah, all of a sudden I thought I have to do the course and I did it uh, with AZ Alkmaar and uh, he gave me the opportunity to, um, because if you do the, the, the license, you have to be uh, in a professional club. So I asked uh, Louis uh, if I can join I Z and he said, "Yeah, perfect. Yeah, you can educate also the younger players over there." And uh, we went cha- we were uh, champions with with AZ as well. And yeah, from that on, uh, during the coaching uh,
0: experience, he um, he uh, he took me all the way. What sort of an assistant coach were you with the Dutch national team in the World Cup? Which is amazed the five one win against Spain was still one of the. The great yeah. results in in recent times, or probably at any stage in a World Cup, are you the uh, arm around the shoulder? Try to be friends with the players. Do you try to advise them tactically? Is it, what's your your biggest strength? Do you think as an assistant coach?
2: Well, uh, a lot of players uh, who played in that team, uh, I played also with, and I was really the, the the hand on the shoulder because he was the other side, and we have to have a little bit of balance. So. That's why also he took me, I think. Uh, also, um, you know, I got a, a different vision than, than, uh, than Louis van Gaal, but I think that makes um, uh, that makes the team stronger. Well, what's your vision? Well, uh, I like to play very offensive football and uh, really, uh, uh, you know, educated and, and organized football. Not, not that uh, Van Gaal doesn't uh, yeah, do Yeah, that. that's
3: what he says. That's what he says, <laughs> he, says he does. So what's, what's
2: but the it didn't work out, at now, eh? <laughs> no, but um, you know, uh, for me, it's important that uh, I edu- uh, I learn from 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 uh, Louis, not as a player, but as a coach. And still, I think he's he's one of the greatest coaches uh, I ever uh, played under.
3: Yeah. I mean, what what do you think that you have learned from him?
2: Uh, structure, because he's very strict in in the things that he wants to do, and I think that's very important also for the players that you have in your squad. That a coach really uh, has the influence in in the, the system that he wants he wants to play because um, normally we, we, we play play uh, 3 four three three but um, I think two weeks uh, in front of the the World Cup we tra- we we changed the system in 5 three five two because we didn't have um, uh, the players that uh, he wanted in in defense and and he thought if we play uh, like when we have the ball with three defenders and when we lose with five. That gives more balance uh, towards the players up front, because we had Robin and, and Van Persie uh, uh, on top, and they had the the freedom, and 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 look where the where the weaknesses of, of the opponent, and the midfield of course with Snyder uh, on the midfield giving the passes to to Robin and, and Van Persie, if those players play uh, one against one against the central defenders, yeah, it's it's very difficult to stop them, and if you're not have, if you don't have the ball, you have um. Always a man uh, over behind.
3: You mentioned the, the the qualifications, the coaching qualifications you've done. I've spoken before to footballers who say that they've done these courses and don't feel like they've learned anything. Like, uh, uh, what what do you? Yeah, you
2: know, uh, I I agree because I had the same feeling. Um, when you're doing the the coaching uh, course, uh, you have to um, do how they normally would have done, uh, and if you do it your own way. Um, especially uh, when you play at a higher level, you have your own thoughts about things, and most of the time the, the, the people who give the course didn't play uh, at a high level, but you have to do what, 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 what they think uh, is, is necessary to, uh, to qualify. Sure, if you got the, the license, you can do whatever you want, but as long
0: as you don't have it, you have to do it uh, how they want it. Was there a chance after the World Cup of you going to Old Trafford with Louis? Did that come close to happening?
2: Uh, no, because he uh, he honestly said, listen, Patrick, uh, normally uh, if I'm going to a club, if I can't take you, I would have uh, brought you in. But he wanted to have somebody from the club in my position. And I think it's fair enough. Uh, maybe I would do the same. Uh, if I'm going to a new club, I want to have one... Uh, role model uh, from the club, who knows the club, who knows uh, uh, the ins and outs. And I think that he made a,
0: made a good decision. So there were no, no hard feelings? Sure, there were hard feelings <laughs> because I wanted to go. <laughs> but I respect his decision. <laughs> so you went and took over a national team, yes, a country that I'm going to say some of us here might not have even heard of, at Curacao in the Caribbean but a country that you've got a big connection to. This is an interesting choice. Yeah,
2: my uh, my choice um, uh, was um, from my heart because my mother is from the island and uh, I got relatives also on the island, but the most important thing is that I work with um, with talented players and we did a very good job uh, during the qualification for 2018 in, in Russia. And... Uh, it's a pity that we we lost the last uh, game against El Salvador, but um, and now actually it's a new thing. Uh, maybe you have heard it. I, I will do the Curacao team again, uh, 23rd and 26th of March.
0: Okay, so this is an exclusive for the audience.
2: Well, some maybe have known it uh, because it was uh, last week. It was uh, clear that I'm going to do that. But my my ambition is to be uh, head coach of a club, and people of uh, of the island they know it as well. But As I said before, I'm working with a with a great, uh, great, um, great players, young players, talented players, and I think that we can we can and can achieve a lot more than uh, than we had. It's good to know that
3: there are some good young players in Curaçao, because there don't seem to be any in Holland at the moment. I mean, yeah. (laughs) What is that? It's a quiet year. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Holland didn't qualify for the for the Euros, which is unbelievable. Um, what What's going on? Where, where I saw a theory, for instance, um, that this is Dennis Burkamp who's working at IX at the moment, and and said, uh, in his opinion, they have a problem with the with the training of young players. That everything is kind of so safe and structured and kind of boring in a way. Like it's done for the player that they can't they can't produce the player. He the example he chose was Luis Suarez. We can't produce a player like this. You know, kind of a player who is thinking outside. You know, the the sort of usual way and um, what do you think why do you think there's no good Dutch players anymore
2: well the, I think that there are good good Dutch players but you know the the, the biggest thing is that young players especially for uh, from the big clubs they're getting bought away uh, I know my, my son is 50, uh, 16 years old he's playing for Ajax and in, in his team uh, 16 years old there are two players two very good players already going uh, one is uh, already to Arsenal and the next one is going to Chelsea, and that's the biggest problem. Um, if if, if uh, big teams with big money see young players uh, in 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 uh, in the youth academy of Ajax, Feyenoord, the or PSV, they're getting bought away, and they're getting promises uh, that the parents uh, would have a, a job in in the country, the, the 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 son can play in a big club, and that's I think the most important thing that young players don't have the time to develop as a big player in, in, in Ajax or something.
3: What would you say if, if your son Justin came came home and said listen, Chelsea have been on to me. They want me to move over. What would you tell him?
2: I would say no. But, uh, you know, he's now 16 years old so I have still uh, the influence on him. <laughs> uh, but if he's 18 years old uh, and I hope he will play for the first team of Ajax and then go away, then he's got the whole uh, youth development uh, in, in Ajax and I think uh, y- especially for young players if you go abroad um, you have training but what are you going to do besides football I think they have to be also uh, still a kid you know to have uh, time for the for the for the friends and in England if you're 16 years old wh- what 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 kind of friends you have then uh, you're getting out of your your comfort zone uh, without your your, your pals um, I think that they have to feel uh, confident and and, 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 and on the uh, on themselves you know and, and that's for me a cr- a very crazy that that um, uh, also the parents of the of the of the children decide to do
0: that by the way i did at one stage in researching this chat google patrick clivert iax goals and now it's just full of Justin Clivert. So yes. Uh, Ajax, yes. Spectacular I'm happy goals. about that, though. <laughs> so the family tree, it's, it's, it's still very strong. Listen, we'll take a couple of questions. I know people had a, a few great ones in advance, Murph.
1: Yeah. Uh, Eric O'Brien has our first question for Patrick. All right,
0: Patrick has things. Um, you obviously, you know Louis van Gaal really well as you worked with him as a player and a coach. Do you think he, the situation, current situation of Manchester United is the toughest one he has faced in his career? And do you see any light at the end of the tunnel?
2: Well, I think it's for sure one of the biggest challenges at the moment that he has. He had already um, some uh, difficulties at Bayern Munich, but uh, I think this one is the really toughest one. And I think also that any other coach who had the same uh, things, uh, what he has now in in Manchester United, he would have been sacked already. That's what I think.
1: Uh, When was the last time you spoke with him?
2: I spoke, I didn't spoke, uh, speak a long, uh, a long time with him, most of the time on, on WhatsApp, you know, especially when when they, when, uh, they lost
1: the match. Is there like <laughs> a, a Dutch speak football legend WhatsApp speak to group? Him. Yeah. <laughs> we have a question here as well from uh, John Wheelett. John?
0: Um, so you've obviously had, you know, a fantastic career and played with some really legendary footballers. Um, I'm just wondering, who do you think? Uh, was the greatest player you've played alongside um, but also which player that you've played with have you learned the most from
2: well i think uh, um, the best player that i ever uh, played with was Ronaldinho but yeah i have a, few, I have a lot of uh, you know different players with different uh, qualities uh, uh, what i played with and i learned the most things when I was a young player, um, I think in IX with from Danny Blind from experienced players, because if you're if you're 17, 18 years old and you come in a big team like IX with with big players, you you directly uh, have to feel comfortable and, and and I think those experienced players gave me a really a warm bath to uh, to perform. Uh, uh, as best as I can in in Ajax.
0: Obviously we're all going to be on the way to the stadium pretty soon, about Arsenal and Barcelona in particular. Yes. What's amazing between in the dynamic with Barcelona, with Messi and uh Suarez and Neymar is that you're all scoring all these goals and it don't there doesn't seem to be any envy or jealousy of each other. Yeah. We even saw that with the penalty, the penalty the Messi pass apparently that was set up for Suarez to score or for um, Neymar to score. Suarez comes in and takes it instead and Neymar said, "Ah yeah, that's that's just the way it goes." Yeah. Uh, have you seen have you seen a, uh, an attacking lineup like that before as as united as them and as brilliant as them?
2: It's a good question. Actually, not because uh, they're really humble towards each other, and and, and you can see they're they're, they're friends. Uh, because if you if you don't have that, you you will see it directly. And and uh, I see only only um, love for the game. It doesn't matter who scores the goals as long as they score goals uh, and, and they express it as well. If if one uh, is is standing better uh, to have a better chance to score a goal, they pass the ball. They don't. Or they're not selfish and. I think that's a very uh, very strong thing in, in Barcelona. And also, I have to say that Luis Enrique uh, did a great job.
0: Listen, folks, he might have broken <laughs> our hearts in 1995, but he's made up for it tonight. Patrick Clyburn, everybody. Thank you.
1: Nice Patrick.
3: Sleep,
2: did they? John Delaney could run anything.
3: They did, they did, actually. About themselves? Yeah, about themselves. that's ego, isn't it? He could run FIFA. Certainly better than Zach Blatter. Yeah, that is, that's incredible ego, but the real movie's on its way.
2: Well, yeah, I'm off to see the Queen tomorrow too, don't forget that.
3: No, no, don't no, forget that. In 2009, I called him an embarrassment to FIFA, and an embarrassment to himself, and I, I said it to him across the table, I've just like I'm talking to you, We want two excuses.
0: He said, no one speaks to me like that. And you said? And I said, what do I do? And
3: that was it. We were 2 to Then And I just asked him to move on. It was an extraordinary moment. She, she was here, she tell you, just stared at her for seven or eight seconds. And I said, move on now, please. And then he moved. When I went in and told him how I felt about him, uh, there was some expletive used, we came to an, an agreement. It's a very good agreement, <laughs> And you've used a <laughs> the figure there. Well done not you. Yeah.
0: There you go. That was our chat with Patrick Clivert in London With thanks to Pepsi Max and Doritos We touched on his son Justin there towards the end Ken who as I mentioned is going spectacular goals For Ajax the Mom. His dad was also a handy footballer
1: 345 appearances, 366 goals For a Surinamese team Robin Hood in uh, <laughs> Suriname, The greatest
0: Surinamese team
1: uh, Yeah the, 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 the appearances for the national team Not quite as numerous as I would have thought uh, Three appearances, two goals Despite better than a goal a game record First Listen, up. you know, maybe he was just unlucky. You know, maybe he came along in a golden generation for Surinamese uh, strikers. Who, who, who are we to 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 say? You know, to to gainsay to to badmouth the Surinamese manager during that time. I mean, I'm sure he had the best interests of Suriname at heart. Only. And
0: it was on from there to the game itself. Ken, what did you make of Messi's two goal haul?
3: Yeah, I was uh, I was impressed. I thought Barcelona really uh, were quite. They weren't great in the first half, you know. They they sort of uh, they were controlling the game, but not in a particularly you know. By their standards, way. I'd
0: say they were wasteful in the first half. There they, were a few misplaced passes. They were.
3: I mean, they continued to be wasteful. You know, Suarez missed two great chances. Uh, Neymar missed a good chance just after half time. Um, you know, they they it looked like it could have been a bad night for them. You know, Arsenal had a couple of chances too. I mean, there was the oxy Chamberlain one, obviously, which he really should have scored. Um... And I thought you, you could see, I mean, Messi's chance at the end was quite, Messi's chance's first goal was was quite similar in a way. You know, a ball kind of com, uh, comes to him uh, he, in the same position, more or less, um, but where Messi just controls the ball beautifully, delays a fraction of a second so that Petr can get down in the ground and then puts the ball above him into the net. Oxley-Chamberlain tried to control the ball, didn't quite manage it, took, I think, a second touch... Still couldn't quite get it where he wanted it, and then you know, <laughs> miss kicked the ball yeah. straight to the goalkeeper who was also who who in fairness was on the ground. Um yeah, it shows the difference, I suppose, between the best player of his age and of his I mean by of his era, and a guy who was a pretty decent schools rugby player.
0: <laughs> Murph, you were uh impressed by was was I talking to you about Neymar afterwards? Maybe yeah, it was, maybe it's Mark Cork, we myself, and Mark corkman were sitting beside each other. We were wowed by Neymar, although Messi sort of took it over
1: as the game went on. Mm. And uh, was, no, Neymar is uh, stunningly good, yeah. uh, and he's kind of the guy that um, for like I, I, obviously this will sound ridiculous, but for all of the things that he's achieved, I mean, I think we've seen loads of Suarez, we've seen loads of Messi. I haven't, I haven't seen quite. So yeah, you know, I mean, I I think that you know you watch Spanish football, you see plenty of Neymar, but you don't watch it in like that full on way that you would have watched Suarez playing for Liverpool. And of course, everyone knows yeah. about Messi. So, of the three, maybe there was most there was more room for Neymar to wow me than the other <laughs> two, uh, but he did that. I mean, he's brilliant. He's utterly like I I think that there's the the sinuous way that he moves across the field. Like he the the way he just shifts the ball out of his feet, little swivel of the hips, beats people. It's effortless and really, really brilliant to watch.
3: Yeah, it's um, he's unbelievable. I mean, he is ahead of where Messi was at the same age. I mean, if you look at his goal totals uh, and so on. I mean, I don't know if he's won as much. probably hasn't. I mean, Messi, obviously, was playing for Bar- Barcelona all along. But he's an incredible player. He's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, like you're saying, just you, just the way that he moves with the ball... You, it, it, it looks as though he's kind of ska- he's, he looks like a speed skater sometimes you know the way he's just kind of gliding across the ground it's unbelievable so um, a little bit too good for Arsenal
0: I quite enjoyed Messi's interactions with the Barcelona fans who were just down below us quite a big number of away fans yeah. in, in a decent spot in the stadium I was at a Clasico a few years back where there are a very small number of Barcelona fans tucked right up the top of the Bernabeu not really able, able to make much of an impact but here you were and the Arsenal fans were good while their team were going well but Barcelona fans took it over to a certain extent. But after Messi scored his first goal, he's finished all the celebrating, all the hugging, which goes on for ages. Mm. Those guys really hug. Arsenal have got the ball back, ready to kick yeah. off, and they have to wait for these guys to all hug each other, separate, individually, group hugs, all those things. Then as they're breaking away, Messi's walking back and turns around as the fans are chanting his name. Just gives it the full-on fist bump, which is... Um, or fist pump, I should say, which is standard fare, really, for footballers. But for uh, not particularly demonstrative guy, no, I, I quite like seeing that in the flesh. Right. Well, that was our uh, our incredible experience of Arsenal Barcelona and of Patrick Cliver. Hope you enjoyed the interview. We're going to get out of here at this stage of thing. Thanks, Murph. Thank you all.
1: Thank Thanks, you again. Sorry,
0: very much thank again. you, Karen. Thank you all. Thanks, Murph, for listening. What is that? Uh, that's
3: the second time it's gone off. They never
0: go home, they never go home, they never go
3: home, those, those, those
2: boys. Even when we're on a
3: budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end
0: goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.